All right, we are live. Welcome in latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. Go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And joined not by Cousin Shane, we are joined special edition here with Chris Marler live from his cave in Afghanistan. How's it going, brother? SEC Chris, I'm gonna, I'm rebranding now that I'm not with SCS. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna follow your lead with everything. I, this is this is great. I'm good. Yeah, this is like I didn't realize how bad the quality of my video is, but you know, it's all equipment that I didn't buy for myself, my old company. But excited to be here. Yeah, tell us before we get rolling here, because we got a lot of, uh, I really just want to bash Alabama for as long as you're on here. But before we get to that, uh, your your new project, Fourth and Wrong, can you tell the audience about that and and what you're trying to accomplish there with, uh, well, I mean, there's there's not many podcasts out there. So you're you're jumping into the medium at the perfect time. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm excited to rebrand the podcast for the fourth time. That's super fun. Um, no, it's, 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 uh, we haven't even launched it yet because like I said, I, I, I announced my break from SDS last week. Um, you'll have to give me about a week or two until I'm legally allowed to, to make any announcements, but, um, fourth and wrong will be the new project. Most likely, uh, the name of it will be a new podcast with my, my old co-host Tyler Huck. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. So we'll be talking about, I always, I always say if you love college football and hate the bleep button, you'll love the show. And, um, and yeah, so we'll go from there. Well, it's interesting, Chris, because that reminds me of working for one Kalen DeBoer there at Alabama. It doesn't seem like he knows what the hell he's doing. He's bringing offensive coordinators, offensive line coaches. They're out the door within weeks. He's trying to hire linebacker coaches. They decide to go to the t- at Tennessee at the last minute. What yeah. the hell is going on here with Alabama? And uh, are you going to enjoy this 7-5 uh, and five season that's coming? So this is what I always say. If 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 the if it wasn't like if, if I hadn't been hearing this for so long, then I probably would be worried. But I just I, like I've you know I've heard this forever. I'm not I'm not super super concerned about it. Um, you know I, I don't know like rating the hires. I think Travis Robinson was been a very good get for him. I think that I saw recently from two four seven or maybe it was Josh Pate um, that put out the uh, the biggest for like the coaching cycle and he was i think he was second overall for assistance i I mean i I think it's a good get i also think it was like the right move for him to go to georgia um you know i I don't i'm I'm just not going to sit here in the camp and say that the sky is falling in tuscaloosa i think that no matter what is happening it is going to get shit on from rival fans like just no matter what i mean like i said this before bama could have gone out and rehired nick saban and rival fans would have like hours after he retired, hours after, and and, and and like rival fans would have been like, he's lost his edge, he's he's not good anymore. But all that all that shit, like it would have been the same exact thing. So I, I'm not super worried about it. If there's one thing I know about Kalen DeBoer and what he's been able to do um, in his, his, you know, I think the kind of short um, coaching career, it's win. And you know, if you're Bama, you want to bridge the gap from Saban to whatever's next. And I think that if this is the the next hire. I think that he's going to win. Yeah, they missed out on Billy Napier. They should have got him when they had the chances, uh, Michael Riley. I, I do agree with that statement, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I was on the Kalen DeBoer bandwagon. It's it's funny. I've already jumped off. We haven't even had a spring practice yet. We probably should yeah. pump the brakes a little bit here, but I don't know. And, and so, Chris, you've been doing some some 
media for us here. So I do appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I, I want to jump into some of that as well. But yeah. there's a there's a popular topic going on right now is who should be on the cover of the upcoming yeah. EA Sports College football video game. And it seems like the most popular option that, that people are throwing out there is Nick Saban. Do you think he mm -hmm. wants any part of it? Would How would you feel about him being on the cover, or should they go with a an active athlete? They've never been able to have an active athlete, but now with NIL, they could do that. Or should they put the GOAT on there? I'd like to see Mike Leach incorporated in, in some mm -hmm. way. What's your thoughts on, on what they should do with the cover? So I hate to say this, I don't know if Leach had Brian Harson. Michael Raleigh's on fire. <laughs> I like Michael Raleigh a lot. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that. I hate to say this. I don't think that Leach has the staying power. And this sounds so shitty, and I don't mean it in a in a shitty way. But like, it it seems like if it had just happened, right? I think that it would have been easier for that to be um, uh, the cover for sure. Yeah. But I also don't think it's like it, it's also different because it's not just the the fact that like I mean, this game hasn't come out in, in 10 years so or 11 now i guess so it's like i i think that people are going to want to have like like something with a little bit more staying power something that's like a little bit more celebratory and i think meaning i i, I hate to say this again but i think like meaningful to like what the current state of what's going on in college football is so i don't think it'll be a current player i think i think it will be saban if it's not saban my my vote would go to you look at some of the players over the last decade of, of, of college football and who it should be. Joe Burrow seems to to be a guy that I think it would make the most sense because everyone loved Joe Burrow at 2019 LSU team. So I think that that could be something as well. Mm. Well, people are getting mad, Chris. That's what people do on why? the internet. They're saying why? Because I titled this Alabama in Shambles, featuring Chris Marler, and I don't know if you saw it recently. It's gone pretty viral here. Interview yesterday with Jake Wimberly. I know mm -hmm. he's a friend of yours. He, yeah, he has his, you uh, on his model. Yeah, exactly. So his model, for anybody that missed, it's got Bama 8-4 and four next season. So I'm going to throw up their schedule so we can bash the Crimson Tide real quick here. Here's what Alabama's looking at next season. Uh, yeah, Three winnable non-conference right out the gate. Of course, we know they're going to just get absolutely dog-stomped by Georgia September 28th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt, mm -hmm. that's kind of a, like a toss-up type game, in my opinion, with Kalen DeBoard as your head coach. Shane Beamer, <laughs> South Carolina, I think they can win that one. Ten at yeah. Tennessee, no shot in hell they win that one. Uh, Missouri may be the second-best team in uh, the SEC next year, so that's iffy. Mm -hmm. At LSU, I mean, they got – hell, Nick Saban couldn't win in Baton Rouge last I checked. Uh, they'll, yeah. probably, they'll probably beat Mercer – at Oklahoma, big trap game before that Iron Bowl. So are you even confident that the Crimson Tide can go 8-4? and four? Well, I just want to start by bringing up my favorite stat of all time since you decided to go out of your way to, to bring up the Death Valley thing. Um, you know, Al Alabama playing at Death Valley. Like, like right, Saban could not win there. Um, and it's a huge win that Brian Kelly had in year one there uh, for – let me do my math here. Oh, the sixth overall win. LSU against Alabama in Death Valley. That was the sixth time they've beaten Alabama <laughs> since 1957. So huge, huge congrats. <laughs> I know we're two years removed from it. It was a one-point win in overtime on the last play of the game. Huge, huge, huge congrats to, to LSU on that one. Um, I, listen, here's the thing. I make no bones about it. Like I, I, I grew up a Bama fan. I try to be as objective as possible. I don't think 8-4 and four is like that far-fetched. I also I'm not saying that they're going to go eight and four, but if you look at the schedule, I think you could make the case 
that they could go eight and four. Put the schedule back up real quick. Because like okay. going through it, Wisconsin's not gimme. You're in you're in year two of Luke Fickle's uh, era or Luke Fickle's tenure there at Wisconsin. I do think Georgia is is probably a loss. I, like, luckily, they get a bye before that. Um, I, I think the one on the on the schedule more than anything it stands out to me as a definite loss. And I'm not just like, you know it pains me to say this, but Tennessee is the one that stands out to me as like that that is the scariest thing on there. The other thing I don't love about this schedule, like, is you won't, the only back-to-back home games you have are the first two weeks of the season. Like, mm. you, you don't you don't get a, a, a lot of like a chance to to get you know three four games in a row at home and get into a situation where you got to get like you know work out some kinks and, and in a friendly environment and and then go face like the month of November like they've been able to do sometimes in the past. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like like I said. That that game, like I mean, you look at the month of November, um, two, losing two of those three, you could talk me into that. I don't think they lose to Auburn at home. Uh, I don't think they lose to Missouri necessarily at home. And here's the other thing too: is that Caleb DeBoer again, he's one and one immediately after he's gone. So I think that works in their favor. But I don't think eight and four is egregious. Um, I'm not saying I think it's going to happen, but I don't think it's egregious. Well, the one that really jumped out to me, and, and uh, it's popular to just shit on the Gators right now. I, I think they're going to be yeah. a lot better than people anticipate. But Jake had them at 2-10. 2-10. <laughs> now, his bottle is very high on Miami. So that, that's who Florida opens with. And, and yeah, right. losing that – you lose that opener. Again, 2-10 I, I, I think is a little egregious. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going to go to a bowl game. I'll say that if they lose to Miami in the opener. Let's – Let's assume they do, even though I don't think you should assume that. But let's just for the sake of argument here, Chris, if they lose to Miami, what what record prediction you got for the Gators? Bro, I, I said this this summer when we did, I did a video about this. That Sanford game, Sanford put up 52 for the last time we played <laughs> in the swamp. So, like, you know, I I, I kind of want to agree with you. I don't think it, the sky is falling as much as people think it is in, in Florida. 2-10 sounds crazy, but that schedule's not easy, man. That schedule's not easy. UCF will be breaking the new quarterback, at least, but it's K.J. Jefferson. So it's like, that's a guy right. that beat you in the swamp last year. Um, on the road against Tennessee, that's a loss. Like maybe Kentucky's a win. It, it, the scary thing for Florida is, like, from the talent standpoint, I think that Napier did a good job better than, than people give credit for to, to, to hold together that class as much as he could. Um, so I thought it was going to be a disaster. Like they went from like, I think second or third in the country to like 16 by the end of the year. But like, I thought it was going to be even worse. So, you know, they're not, there's not a game on here. That's, Oh, thank God we get a break. I mean, they Mississippi state maybe is like, you could argue that might be the easiest game on the schedule besides Sanford. That's it's awful. Right. And I, the, the most popular response I saw, Chris, this made me laugh. I wish I would have thought this line. But when I threw it out there that Jake's model has got Florida at 2-10, and 10, they said, okay, so Tennessee's one of the wins. What's the other one? Because we just assume. <laughs> I mean, they always beat damn Tennessee. Doesn't matter how good yeah. Tennessee is, how shitty they are, they still win that game. Uh, one thing that really jumped out to me, though, he's got Texas being the only undefeated team in the SEC. How big of a surprise would it be to you, Chris, because you called it? You're, you you don't hide the fact you're an Alabama homer, but you said, hey, Texas is going to walk into Tuscaloosa and they're going to beat Alabama. You called it last season. I so said they were going to beat them by 10 points. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, you've got a, you've got Texas kind of figured out. I, mm-hmm. Would you be surprised first season in the SEC if they go 12 and 0? Honestly, I would be surprised. I'm not saying they're, they're not elite, but 12 and 0, considering they play Georgia at A&M, Oklahoma, of course, I, I don't know if 12 and 0 right off the bat, but wh- what do you think? I, I'd be shocked. I would be shocked. Um, I will say, looking at this schedule, it's crazy because I think when you look at all the SEC schedules, they're all going to be difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this this one does it just just in, between the last of the three you've shown me between Bama, Florida, and this, this one clearly feels different and a little bit easier. Maybe Michigan in the Big House isn't a cakewalk, but like you know, I don't. <laughs> it's not the toughest place to play. It's big. It's not super loud. Like, like SEC stadiums are, um, and they lose a ton of people. So I think that they, and in Texas is going to be really good regardless that game in at home against Georgia, like Kirby smart on the road has been incredible at Georgia. Yeah. He only lost four games on the road since he's been head coach at Georgia. They've all come to SEC West teams, which obviously don't have divisions anymore. Um, but it's been a while since he's lost anything. Um, in the regular season, even right, like he's won, he's lost. I think two two games in the regular season, and in the last uh, in the last four years, and only one of them has been in a true road game, and that was back in 2020. So that's that's insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say, I think that that Texas OU it it doesn't really do that much for me this year. I don't think that OU is going to be very good. They did give him a little bit of a an easy end to the season too. Arkansas, Kentucky, and A and M. Um, that's about as easy as a as a month of November you can get, I feel like, in year one. Yeah. And then so I referenced uh, you know, you doing some work for us here. You did this outstanding graphic. Steven Lassen and I last week we talked about the the top games for next season, kind of most competitive games. Yeah. So, so you worked up this graphic for us. Thoughts on, on this, uh Chris? I mean uh, Texas Georgia at Texas, to me, is going to be the best game of the year, most competitive mm-hmm. game in the SEC. Georgia at Alabama, I got that number two. Let, let's start with those two. Would you? How high would those be on your list? I, I, those would be the top two. And, and you look at the way you did it, Mike. Like this is your list. Um, you look at the names that and the, and the logos that that jump out to you in the top five games of the year, right? And it's it's that Georgia G, and then it's the, the Longhorn. And you got you got the the Bama A sprinkled in there as well. Um, I think that Georgia and Texas are the are the class of the SEC going into the season. Man, I'm totally wrong. I don't think Georgia takes a step back at all. I think that anything they have a chip on their shoulder, it's going to be even worse for teams going into the season. Um, the only other one, like going through it, just like Texas OU, LSU, Ole Miss. Um, I think LSU got who'd they get? They got Texas or they got OU at home. Hmm. And then Bama Mizzou, I think, is, is a very, very underrated game. I love AN in Texas. I'm glad we get to get we finally get to have that back. It's a great, great rivalry. Tennessee OU, um, that's also a good one. My, my dog Pepper says hi. But I tell you what, <laughs> the only one on here that, that does not that, that that stands out to me is I think that Mizzou gets Oklahoma. And if you pay attention to any of those, anything on Twitter at least, right? Um, this entire offseason, that is a rivalry that has like picked up a lot of steam going into this season. Um, and those fan bases don't like each other. I mean, Oklahoma's schedule is not easy, not easy at all. So, but I think that game specifically um, is is probably the only one I would I would say maybe you left off. Uh, but these, I mean, yeah, like I, I think that your Texas and UGA, that is the absolute 
I think pinnacle of, of what we're talking about for like the top two games when you should have circled if that's CBS's night game, that would make the most sense. And I think what's crazy and what we're going to see in this new age of college football is you go down to number three here and Tennessee Bama, it's the same damn weekend. So it's like, that's like what day of college football we're going to get um, with those, with those two matchups. Well, that's, that's the beauty of the entire sec package, Chris, going to ABC ESPN, we are going to get triple header action, you know, probably a, a, a noon game on ABC, what have you, or ESPN, and then, yeah, probably 3.30 on ABC, right. and then the night game on ESPN of, of all SEC action. Yeah. That's going to kick a lot of these, uh, like like a Texas-Georgia, normally that'd be your guaranteed 3.30 CBS, yeah. but now they could kick it to, to a night game, and, and a lot of these I think are going to be a lot more night games than we're getting used to. So it's just in a year of change, there's so much change coming. I think, you know, some things like that are going to get lost. Like, oh, God, they're the best games now are, are they're not going to be exclusively night games, but I'm going to be very interested to see how the network plans this. And hopefully, I think because Fox is, is so dedicated to the big noon kickoff, yeah. whatever, whatever the hell that stupid garbage is. Uh, thankfully, we're, I don't think we're, the SEC is going to go that route. I think they're going to, go more towards the 3.30 and the night kickoffs, which, I, hell, I like that a lot better anyway, don't you? I know, right? It was, like, I do think it, it gives you – it's a little bit – it's going to take a while to get used to, right? Um, what's up, Joshua Sandler? Uh, it's it's going to take a while to get used to. And I tell you what's going to be weird, Mike, is like I, I love the idea of them playing at night. Like I love that idea. I think that's great. I think it'll be super fun for, for the fans. Um God, man, you're going to give Cousin Shane a full day to drink for some of those games? That's <laughs> terrifying for people. Liquor sales are going to be through the roof places. But I will say this, too. I, I think that it's going to be super weird like on a day like uh, – um... <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. I, I think I think the um, – like on a day like that week eight thing, right, where it's like Bama and Tennessee and Texas and GA, Bama-Tennessee game has all the feels of a 330 – but you know, say say it's like another like like having Texas UK at night under the lights in prime time, the Fowler and Herb Street game of the week type thing. Love that. Like I love that. I will also tell you that at 330, if if you're getting whoever you're getting is going up directly against that CBS nationally broadcast game of the week, and that's just gonna be odd to see for like you know, I just think it's gonna be until like October when you're gonna see fans flipping over to, to see, you know, Gary and and Brad Nessler, and then they're going to end up being like, what the hell is this? Why are they in, in Piscataway, New Jersey, or the fuck Rutgers is? Yeah. No, I, I think that's – God, that – they're going to be uh, shitting themselves when they see their numbers, Big 12 games or Big 10, whatever the hell it is, yeah. compared to SEC how it was last year, I, I truly think. Uh, how about this, Chris? I wanted to ask you, which coach you think uh, gets fired next year first in the SEC? We got – Kalen DeBoer. DeBoer, I, I no. would agree with it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that's tough. Who I, who I think it's fired for. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think it's Pittman. I think mm. if, they are, if they're already um, kind of like fed up with them, I, which is, which is I hate. Like, I just, I think it's so shitty. Like, yeah. I think he did such a good job a couple years ago. And, and I think he deserves to be given a, a little bit longer of a leash. Um, I know that SEC record is tough, that overall record is tough. I mean, again, man, before he got there, like he, he won more games 
in 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 2021 when he won nine games, he won more than in the three than the three years combined. I think for Arkansas from like 2017 to 2019, yeah. like you know, like he I just feel like he did a tremendous job, and and I I don't know what they're going to do with him, but I I think that the the fan base seems restless in general. I don't know if you've kept with Arkansas Twitter at all, but they're not happy about, about baseball. They're definitely not happy about basketball. They got like a love triangle going on with that team. And now they've got like Pittman <laughs> getting back to football season and it's going to be even tougher. So that's, you know, that's just a, I, I feel like it's got to be him. Yeah. That, I think the word you're looking for is apathetic, which I, yeah. that, that is the worst word. I hate when fans are apathetic because Boys are pretty bad. Yeah, for the, <laughs> that's true. But I mean, fans that don't care. I mean, you, you'll see it in empty seats. You'll see it in, you know, just lack of buzz. Yeah. It, any chance, and I don't even know how much we can even judge this guy or put it on yeah. him or how much it's his fault. But what about Clark Lee, who, by God, I mean, it's just, it's pathetic. If they if they go winless next season in the SEC, Chris, that's three out of four years. And again, yeah. I don't even know how much is his own fault. I don't know how much of it is the school and their lack of NIL and, and on and on and on. But uh I I don't it seems like we're spinning our damn wheels here at Vanderbilt. But like what is the end result? There are there are certain there are certain teams that I think you I, what I miss from like the old days of, of college football, and I'm gonna date myself on this, but like I miss the days when it's like there's some people you just give like not a lifetime contract to, but what is the ceiling at Arkansas? Like, what is the realistic ceiling at Arkansas? And, and, and you know, it's it's way higher than it is at Vanderbilt. What is this? What is the ceiling at Vandy? And you can sit here and say all, all you want. Like, well, I mean, James Franklin took him to three three years in a row into bowls, and and, all, and that that's great. That, that's great. But you know what's happening during that time? Florida was down. It's especially twenty thirteen. Georgia was down in, in in like a couple of those years. Tennessee was historically down in a couple of those years. Like Kentucky was Kentucky. Like Mizzou was the class of the division for for I feel like some of those years that they, when they first came into the uh, the SEC. So it's like I don't I don't know what you want Clark Lee to do if you're not going to give him the resources and tools to succeed. Which like that I mean like NIL recruiting budget and like the stuff like that you would you would be able to recruit kids with. Because, like, it just in this day and age of, of college football, I don't know that having a degree from Vandy is enough for most kids. And that's so sad and shitty to think about, but it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, uh, these other graphics you worked up for us, Chris, returning production, anything jump good. out to, to you specifically about these? And, and, and I've, I've seen a lot of reaction to this. Yes, it includes transfers. I don't really understand why you, yeah. you count that in returning production, but I guess – there's just so many transfers. We have to figure them in somehow. And also, this yeah. doesn't this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, Texas A&M's got the best team and, and Mississippi State's got the worst. This is more about it's it's designed to 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 uh, look at improvement. Who who is going to improve right. the most? And that's that's typically what this returning production ranks. We got A&M at the top, Texas two, Mizzou three, Florida four, Georgia five. And uh, you're Alabama Crimson Tide all the way down to 15, Chris. I, I get yeah. I told you that Alabama is uh, in shambles here. Um, first and foremost, I just what it stands out the most is how great this graphic looks. It looks incredible. Whoever made it is really, really good at graphic design. <laughs> Two, the thing that always cracks me up about SEC fans in general is this: 
this wasn't something that we made. Like this was, these weren't your rankings. These weren't my rankings. This is from Bill Connolly. These are just numbers on a page. And, and, and there's, there's very few sports and collective audiences. And, and, and in this case, that would be the entire, like all SEC fan bases. There's very few collective audiences that could get triggered by numbers on a page. <laughs> But SEC fans are definitely that group. Um, I, I don't know how we came up with this. Go to the fucking website and look it up. Like, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't come up with any of these numbers. Um, but I know that – thank you, Anthony. Um, I, I, I will say that some of the stuff that stood out to me, I, I think last year especially – Cousin, Cousin Shay doesn't know how to spell graphic. I right. <laughs> brother. Um, no, last year I think going into the season, Alabama's – Offense and defense was ranked like they're, they're. I don't know which was which, but for overall offense and defense, the three different rankings, it was 120th, 125th, 127th. So if you're looking for a positive for Alabama, being at 115 isn't great, but that's where you were last year. That's kind of where you live in this graphic almost every single year. Now, the scary part of that, if you're looking at this, is you know that if Bama was there, so was Georgia. And you look at what Georgia was like. What they've had to replace in the NFL uh, draft the past couple of years, and they're going to most certainly have to begin um, even losing more guys to the portal this year than they. I feel like they've they've lost like they were of significance. Um, Forty-eight, no, Lord. Um, <laughs> but but, but, um, but I think the thing that's scary for other teams is you look at the top. Just this for offense, right? Mizzou they return a ton of production. That's great, even though they lose Cody Schrader. Um, A&M, awesome. You get Connor Wigman back from injury. That's that's fun. But Georgia being in the top five of overall and offensive production for returning production is terrifying for the rest of the, the conference because, like, we've already talked about what, like, Bam was able to do when they were 120th or, or worse, and, and they're so they're at least in a similar thing. But this is terrifying because Georgia was a three-point loss for the first time in, in, in roughly two years, they had a three-point loss to a team that made the playoff on a neutral field and and didn't get a shot at playing for a third national championship, which is outrageous. Um, if you don't think they're going to come back with a chip on their shoulder, that which is scary enough, that's on you. But if, if you think that they're going to come back with the chip on their shoulder and all this production, that's just terrifying. Have you heard Feinbaum talk about the the fact that Saban prevented Kirby Smart from winning that third in a row, and that was kind of like his moment where he knew, it, you know, I, I accomplished, I basically prevented him from surpassing me, and, th yeah. and that's that's when that's when uh, you know he was kind of informed that that Saban was considering walking away. Would would you buy into that, given the fact that he, because as good as Kirby is, and I think he's the best in the game, he's got the best program, he's going to win mm -hmm. more championships, I believe, but. I don't think he'll ever win three in a row. I think he missed that window because it's just too damn hard. And it's there's, so hard. there's many examples. We, you know, Pete Carroll had it rolling at Southern Cal. Uh, you know, Miami's had it rolling. Urban Myers had it rolling on and mm -hmm. on. I mean, there, there's many guys that, that have had a program and you look at it and say, well, they ain't going nowhere. But then they, they disappear within two or three years because it's just, it's so hard to keep that momentum. So I, I say all that, but yeah, I don't think Kirby will ever have an opportunity to win three in a row. Would you agree with that? I, I'm not going to ever say that Kirby's not going to do something because he's too young and he's too good and everything they've, they've built together, like built over there in Athens, is, is I think, too strong. And also built to last. That's, that's the thing that I think is, is the most terrifying because 
all the stuff that they're able to do. Like they were, he was always going to recruit. Georgia always had good classes under Mark Rick. And it's, it's the best college town in America. It's a great education. Um, it's a great time, a great fan base, all that kind of shit. What's up, Barry Um, All that kind of stuff. But it's also now you, now you have all that paired with NIL. And think about Georgia, too. People always forget. Georgia, Georgia didn't have the facilities until like the last four years. They didn't have an indoor facility until very recent. So I don't want to say that he missed his window because of all that. I will also tell you that if he couldn't do it in the era where you he went undefeated for for the entire regular season for three straight years in the SEC, and then you sprinkle in games like against Clemson and Oregon to start the year, right? Like at a neutral site, and neither of those teams scored an offensive touchdown <laughs> against Georgia. Like, I think it's very difficult to say, well, he's going to get another chance. He's going to get a chance to be in the top 12 every single time, but it's just going to be so much more difficult. And I think the last thing I'll say on this, on this very long diatribe on it is, the, the, the thing about expanding the, the playoff, it's going to be great for ratings. It's going to be super fun for all of us to watch, like those you know games in the snow up in, up in Wisconsin or, or ha- like a whiteout in December for Penn State would be awesome you know against a Texas or, or whoever. But like there's a reason why somebody like Coach K, who coached for like four-plus decades, only won five national championships. They were ranked in the top five like seemingly every year, but they only won five national championships because at that point – like when you expand the playoff like that and you have all these other teams involved and anybody can beat anybody on any given Saturday, like it just is so much more difficult. So I don't think it's going to get any easier at all. Mm -hmm. And now uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, Chris, I'm I'm sure you saw Mike Griffith on uh, fine the other day, (laughs) basically said, Hey, Saban could come back. And Uh as crazy as that sounds, I've seen, I've seen Danny Sheridan echo similar sentiments, Chris. And he said, with a caveat, Danny Sheridan was with a caveat. He said, if they fix NIL and they fix transfer portal, you know, it'll be a level playing field again, essentially, in recruiting for Alabama. And Nick Saban knows he'll dominate it once again. If now that's a huge, huge, huge if, but if they yeah. if they can fix NIL and transfer portal in the next two years or so, let's say the is a complete disaster, which I I don't yeah. think he will be. I think he's a top five coach in college football. Given his his record, I think Alabama's going to be fine. But if they're not, and they fix NAL, they fix transfer portal, could you see Saban coming back? I don't. No, I did not hear that. that this is what Mike Griffin said. I love Mike to death, but I didn't know this is what he said. I thought you, I thought you were going to reference the whole thing, but Kirby doesn't think about Nick Saban or doesn't think about Alabama. It's like, well, you sure as shit do. Well, yeah, it was, it was right time, after Mike? that. Right after that, he basically said, "Yeah, the De- board's going to." flame out and and right. Saban Saban will be tempted to return. No, I, I don't think it's gonna happen. He's already what, 72 years old. Um <laughs> I don't think he's gonna take I mean like listen, I, I will tell you from from people close to the family that he is really, really enjoying his his time. I don't know of a day that he's had where he hasn't been on a golf course. I'm sure there has been. Um even today I Kristen posted a picture of her and um, and James out there on the golf course with Saban. So I, th- I think he's really enjoying um, the downtime. I think he's going to really enjoy the stuff with his family and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't think that like, I, I will say, I think he's going to have an, like an integral part in trying to fix some of the problems that we currently have with college football. And I think that's kind of for the best. I, I think, I think that his, you know, like there's a lot of takes about Saban and why he left and this and that. I will say that regardless of what side you're on or, or, or which fan base you're a part of, that he 
probably skull dragged your team on for the last 16, 17 years. I will say that I think everyone could agree that he probably does have some good input for how to fix some of the inequities and things that are wrong with college football. Yeah. All right, Chris, well, hey, before you go, tell us, uh, tell the audience, how can they follow you? And uh, where should we be looking for uh, fourth and wrong or whatever your next project is? Yeah, the, the unemployment line for now. Um, so <laughs> um, unemployment is what I'm calling it. No, I, I'm hoping that I should have. Um, so I, I, there's been something in the uh, Gary Harbor. Um, I think there's, there's been something I've been working on. Um, I've seen since like December and hopefully I'll be able to announce uh, we got this, like I said, like, like legally. I'm not allowed to say much until this, like the um, further removed from SCS, which is fine. But um, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram at um, Burn Funquist, B E R N Funquist. Uh, and then other than that, we'll start fourth and wrong up here soon and, and all that. And, and that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, when we get all figured out, man, happy to have you back on. Plug it all. Yeah. Uh, but this was fun. And uh, I can't wait to text you as Alabama goes seven and five and the tears roll in. Uh, you know that that's gonna make my season. Yeah, all I know is I'm gonna get a new fucking camera after this this entire uh, experience. <laughs> for sure. All right, brother. Thanks, brother. Hey, buddy. This beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.